so I was telling some, I was telling a friend at work about that Angel Olsen record a week later. Mm-hmm. She says, "Thanks for that recommendation." I'm like, "Yeah, like, uh, it's a really good record." And I said, "It kind of inspired me to go on a little journey." Uh, so we're uh, we're got tickets to this festival in New Mexico, and it's got all these like trippy like artists like Angel Olsen and Sharon Van Eden, like the ones we were talking about like last time we recorded mm-hmm. and then uh, like Devendra Barnhart and Indigo Girls and I'm just like something like uh, like some kind of moon type festival and shit <laughs> like, like you're gonna get you're gonna get high <laughs> you're about to you're gonna have a life altering experience you are going to drink some ayahuasca and I'm or whatever the, ayahuasca ayahuasca yeah and you're going to see things from a whole different perspective. Have you ever done hallucinogenics? No, I'm too afraid. No, I, I've done mushrooms once. I think I've probably talked about this on the podcast. Oh yeah, I, I, I've heard your I've heard your mushroom story. Yeah, um, I I would be concerned about. Especially knowing the Angel Olsen album and the Sharon Van Etten album, Mike, I don't know if I would want to take hallucinogenics to those to those albums. I would just get so sad so fast; it would get very dark. I, I, I mean, I, I've had good experiences with weed, and I've had very sad experiences with weed, um, and uh, um, also tequila. Uh, <laughs> I, I, oh, combining know. weed and tequila? No, no, no. Separate experiences? Separate experiences. Se- separate incidents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm singling out, you know, <laughs> why I'm singling out tequila, but, like, I'm, I'm sure I've had sad experiences with beer. <laughs> like, it's just... Well, I, I don't know. They're both plant-based. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, there's just something about... Uh, I, I am afraid, like, I would have, like, a very bad trip if i haven't once tried lsd so and uh, like, yeah I, no i've never dropped acid and i i keep hearing like microdosing is kind of i mean with all my anxiety and everything i keep thinking like microdosing would help me focus or something but i'm like no it's just gonna think sticking with the occasional beer and uh whatever other things i I participate in they're just fine I, I've settled on I'm high in life that's why I'm high on <laughs> sorry <laughs> this is mental platypus I'm Jared I'm Jason you can find us at mental underscore platypus on uh, Instagram and Twitter although we, we're not uh, not in, not gramming so much what's this no we're not really for, gramming is that so a, much yeah uh, I, I, I am should, doing the, the Twitter for for Mental Platypus now. It's just essentially just retweeting stuff I think is kind of funny, and then also making recommendations. But uh, I know it's been nice to uh, to see you uh, active again for having that line of communication with you on the socials. That's about that. Yeah, that's about the uh, the the speed at which I'm willing to go at this point. Yeah. <laughs> To be perfectly honest, that's that's about as much engagement with social media as I can handle. Would you say it's limited engagement? <laughs> Limiting engagement. That is what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Very much so. 
For those who've been with Jared since the beginning, you'll get that joke. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of limiting, (laughs) that's my handle. Uh, That is uh, Mr. Duran's handle, LTD underscore engagement on the Twitter. Drop the underscore like it's hot on the Instas, though you're not going to get much. Yeah, no, neither account is active anymore. Yeah. I mean, they're they're both out there. Uh, I feel bad if, if anybody's trying to contact me through those mediums. A, they don't know me or listen to the show. Yeah, uh, because and we don't want to know them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're not helping us get some of that Casper mattress money. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think they make mattresses anymore. What are they Casper? up to? Yeah. Do they not did they not make mattresses? I don't know. Like I haven't seen her a Casper ad in a long time. I don't know. I was in the mall yesterday. Uh Fashion Square. Oh yeah, they have that Casper store. They have the Casper they? store out there, yeah. They yeah. also have count 'em three uh alternative fuel vehicle stores. Oh um, yeah. Now, which I at least I think it is. There's like what Polestar, there's I had some other thing, and then there's Tesla also. Which yeah. I, I'm happy to see alternatives to Tesla because that guy can fucking burn in hell. Yeah. What what a fucking troll. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's my hot take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk, don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good guy. No. Um uh but uh <laughs> he's probably listening right now. Uh, oh, I'm sure he has some. Uh, sure. There's, there's got to be some uh, uh, aggregate function thing out there where anytime his name is is spoken, some bot perks up and and looks to see if it's flattering or not. Yeah, some bot that he hasn't shut down yet. Apart, accordingly, right? Uh, apparently, yeah. um, if you're looking for me, by the way, I was uh, gonna get to you. Okay, Jason E Kyle K E I L on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, because you're consistent. Uh, yeah, because no one else wants to be associated with my name. They know better. <laughs> but, uh, and also, uh, you can uh, read my weekly concert blog and phoenixmag.com. Uh, and uh, I do the top 10 events for the magazine. And um, I haven't written in a while, like anything else beyond that. So, I mean, enjoy that. Well, you're writing more than I am these days. Oh, I, uh, I, I have to, it's my job. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm actually doing some writing for work now. Uh, it's not enjoyable writing, but, um, it's, it's writing. It's technical writing. It's creative. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's part of the reason why I like my job. It's like, I get to be creative It's for capitalism, but I'm, I mean, it feeds the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. That is when we were recording this. I have nobody yeah. to say Happy Father's Day to. You know Other he, than you know what, actually, you do, shout you out do. to Mike. Um, the you know, you do have some, someone to say. Oh, Happy, Happy Father's, Father's Day. Day to you, Jason. No, 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 no. You forgot the original dad, Papa Marin. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are we going with this? Because first of all, Jew, not going to happen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, that would take that would take a lifestyle change at this point that I'm just not ready to. No, uh, and, and I, I only meant nor, nor would I want to. Thank you for setting me up for a very inappropriate joke. Yeah, you're but, welcome. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, we are <laughs> the great segue into we're talking about. 
<laughs> the filmography of Nicole Holof Center, and not, not just I, not, not the overall oeuvre, I guess, of of uh, of Nicole Holof Center, because yeah. we are uh, touching on the films. We're, to be clear, we're not touching Nicole Holof Center. Uh, we are touching on her work that was also that where she wrote and did not necessarily direct, right? Um, because we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Because we're not gonna go over her TV shows. Jeez. No, though I mean it might be fun. I I would def- I because I, I think I fell off the uh, the the Orange is the New Black wagon before she started directing there. I've never seen um, that show. And I you know I, I think did I watched the first two seasons completely. Probably I don't know how far I don't know how far I got into that. You know here's something interesting. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it's it, I feel like it's kind of related to a lot of what. Of a lot of why I am enjoying uh, Nicole Hollow Center's work so much, and uh, just w- what related to what I'm interested in in watching and, and reading and so forth, um, is that I had this because uh, it, it occurred to me that um, that uh, uh, there was something that you said that made me think about this. I can't remember what it is exactly, but. It led me to uh, this 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 dream I had last night, which was um, it involved an ex, an ex you you know um, that uh, uh, where we had we were together in the dream mm-hmm. and we were happy, and that was a mind fuck. Like I woke up from that feeling sad. Um, I I do not like having dreams involving an ex where we're together and happy. <laughs> that's the, but that's the dream though, right? It's a dream. I mean, it is not reality, right? <laughs> so I have to wake up to the fact that they're not there anymore and haven't been for for years at this point. Yeah, and uh, and uh, that. It 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 was you know it was something where it 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 worked out um, and yeah I don't know we were uh, oh oh that was because I think I was watching Orange Is the New Black with that person and then I I kind of just stopped watching it after a while after we broke up yeah. Uh, but yeah I, it's it's you know you I wake up from that feeling well you know this is somebody that I had wanted it to work out with and it did not. And so I've spent years, you know, coming to terms with that. And uh, now I'm going to, what, my subconscious is just going to fuck me over like that? Maybe maybe the dream is is that she's happy in her prison of women's prison. Uh, Who the fuck cares about that? I want to be happy. Well, yeah. (laughs) It's about me. It's my fucking dream. Maybe the dream wasn't about you. I don't know. I'm not... (laughs) And that's not fair. I do hope she's happy. I, I wish her all the best, sincerely. Yeah. But who gives a fuck? It's my dream. <laughs> Make it Anyhow, all about you. <laughs> my dream should be all about me. Aren't they supposed to be my, my unconscious mind speaking to me in some way? I don't know, dude. Like, do, I, you have, do you not spend time kind of like thinking about your dreams in context? The ones I remember, um, there have been some dreams where I've... I've had some weird dreams, but I honestly don't remember like, but nothing like on a level where you and the, like, or me and X are like happy because mm-hmm. 
that isn't possible. Um, I, I have, I guess, you know, I, I, you know, we also are in very different circumstances. Yeah. You, you are, are a, a married man with kids, mm-hmm. you know, and again, happy Father's Day to you. Uh, it's, it's a I very different situation. I don't need a day for doing my job, but I'm happy to do it. So I got some, I got, I got, I kind of hit the jackpot there. So. Uh, right. So, like I said, we're, we're, our, our unconscious minds are probably speaking to us in very different ways. Yeah. Uh, so Most of the time, I'm just happy I fall asleep because the last oh, yeah. few weeks, I've just been, it's been insomnia. I, I have had some serious sleep problems due to anxiety yeah. recently. And for, for me, right now, it's all, it's predominantly due to work. I'm just yeah. crushed at work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I am I am having a lot of work dreams, and then when I'm not having stressful work dreams, I'm apparently dreaming about um, something that I didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, I'm so sorry. It's you know it's a little funny. I I I, I, I can stand uh, I I can stand outside of myself for for a moment and and acknowledge the humor that's there. That's you know, but. My whole point with this was that it's it uh, is the dream actually was not dissimilar to something I could imagine a Nicole Hall of Center film being, or you know like an episode of of Breeders, which I am I have gobbled up all of the uh, what, six or so episodes that have come out so far this this season. Yeah, uh, it's why I, I I have been drawn to. Um, a lot of shows like that lately, you know, including why I liked Catastrophe so much. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's definitely why I'm so digging uh, all of Laurie Moore's work right now is that there's there's a lot of that. I, I think that actually Nicole Hollison would be a great person to adapt a, a Laurie Moore uh, novel or story or something. Well, I mean, let's uh, call her up. I mean, let's get those two together, and then that would be something I would want to have a dream about. Yeah. Uh, but how we how we produce the first Laurie Moore, you know, Cole Hofser. Uh, that's it. We should. That's what we should do. That's what we should do. The, the, at this stage in our lives, is become film producers. I mean, <laughs> hardening back to Frank talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about get shorty, why not? <laughs> Because I mean, we don't have the money, <laughs> but we can we can be like Chili Palmer and like <laughs> just ask for it the right way. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, That's yeah. And uh, I know mean, we can like touch up the script. Like, don't have to worry about commas and shit. Just <laughs> 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 to, to quote Delroy Lindo in that film, like you know, yeah, want to change some of the script? Just, you know, hire some guy to do it or just. Don't worry about the commas and shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go. Anyhow, what we are here to talk about is we watched Friends with Money, which was released in 2006. It's written and directed by Nicole Hall of Center. Stars just like a fucking amazing cast of women, by the way. Yeah. You've got, apart from Jennifer Aniston, you've got Catherine Keener. You've got um, Frances McDormand. You've got Joan Cusack. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the core group of of the friends, some of whom have money. Um, <laughs> Three out of four, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, it's it's you know just right out of the gate, unabashedly, it is probably my favorite 
film of hers so far. Yeah, same here. Uh, the um, the um, the joke involving the self pleasuring device, uh, <laughs> the visual joke that that that, that was, yes, um, made me laugh for about five minutes. I just thought that, like, yeah, like you know, and then like. It's just not. Yeah. 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 It was it was fantastic. I I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Uh and it's so there's this is another situation though where it's it's relatively plotless. It is essentially just a span of time with these friends. If you want to follow like the arc, it's basically they go to dinner together. The Joan Cusack and her partner uh, ask him to, to, or ask them to join them for this charity dinner for for ALS, ALS. which uh, which nobody can remember. They keep saying it's for something else. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, what do they say? They say it's for the homeless at some point. And oh yeah, like, they say it's for. And the other rain joke is like you spend ten thousand dollars, you know, doing for a table and. Yeah, and why not just give that money directly to, yeah. to ALS? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which I've always wondered too. I thought that was you know. It's uh, someone who's or charities. It's complicated. Well, and I, I love the Joan Cusack just yeah. finally being like, because it's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what rich people do. <laughs> we give them money, we go out to eat, and then you just, that's, that's how it's done. Yeah. So, um, and, and then it, it culminates with them, with them going to the dinner. Yeah. Um, essentially. It, it, so there's, it's, it's again, it's once again, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful relationship story and and much like um much like lovely and amazing um um half of the cast Mm -hmm. of the main cast uh, particularly the men are british actors Mm -hmm. jason isaacs jason isaacs uh simon Simon McBurney. mcburney yeah uh so here's here's something too is that through various points in the film, I related very much to some of the women in it, especially the Jennifer Aniston character, honestly. Yeah. Um, From all your time cleaning houses. Of course, yes. And wearing, you know, small French maids outfits, but let's not get into that. Uh, <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Uh, no, I don't. I do. It's, let's not give my mom one more thing to worry about. Um <laughs> <laughs> so but I I did not relate to the men. I know men like that. Oh, I know men like that too. Like each each individual one, but it's it's definitely and I think still potentially why I am enjoying watching these films so much is that it is relatable women characters and the men are very much secondary. Yeah, I, I think I related to Simon McBurney's character, who is Frances McDormand's husband, a little bit. On what on what level? On the level that everyone thinks he's gay. Oh. That's happened to me before. Oh, has it done? Yeah. But, I mean, he clearly is. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, as as is um, uh, Ty Burrell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, which it was it was interesting. I think that's one of the few things I've seen him in outside of Modern Family. Oh yeah, I he's been in. I think I remember him from. Oh, th- there's this, and then there's he's in the Hulk movie, and that's about it. That's mm. like, and I don't watch Modern Family. Like that was a show that I I I, I liked for a little bit, and then also still. Uh, and that, actually, that was that was another. Um, Another show that I was following with the with the same ex to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's told, not go back down that rabbit hole. Pull uh, us back out. Okay. Um, but um, no, but I, and that thing I kind of related to a little bit, but not like. Uh, I mean, there was a time where I cared about what I wore and stuff like that. Mm. But and uh, but I found myself relating more to Jennifer Aniston's character. This you know the aimless. Uh, the aimlessness of where she's been and trying to find herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly been dealing a lot lately with the anger that Frances McDormand has. Yeah, but you're washing your hair, right? <laughs> I, I I do wash my hair, okay. yes, on a, on a regular basis. When you got yeah this kind of hair, you can't. I I uh, related more to Catherine Keener's character more than anyone. I well, and I related a lot to her too. It's it's interesting. Well, and. I feel like I've had that relationship. I have not been the Jason Isaacs, though. I've been the Catherine Keener. I've, I, I've, um, I, I, I've times where I felt that way, but it's not that. But when you take a look outside, it's not like if you take a step back, mm-hmm. you realize that, like, no, you're, you're, I'm both. <laughs> like, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm the dick and the dicky. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> But that's just like in in relationships, uh, not yeah. I, um, in, in a lot of relationships, I, I'll take a step back and I'll realize, oh god, I was the asshole. Okay, let's. Well, I let's, was Jason Isaacs. Before we dive further into this, let's. let's yeah, let's, yeah, I'm waiting for the context. Let's do some context. Part. Let's yeah. do some context. This came out um, in January 2006. It premiered at Sundance, January 19th, 2006. It was released April 7th, 2006. Uh, and wide release had a budget of six and a half million dollars and finished with eighteen point two. So this is her. This is Hall of Center's highest grossing film to date, most okay. most financially successful. Uh, and uh, so, also a few other things I thought interesting. Um, score co-written by Ricky Lee Jones. Yep. Uh, which, and the same composer. And the other guy, Craig Ritchie. Yeah, he yeah. he he was the composer for the prior film. Yeah, uh, uh, lovely, amazing. Yes, and so yeah, so Ricky Lee Jones. Which, if you don't know Ricky Lee Jones, you certainly should. If you're a fan of of Tom Waits, you may recognize her from the uh, the uh, Blue Valentines cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, of course, she wrote, you know, had some success with the song Chucky in Love. Yeah. Or Chucky's in Love, I want to say, uh, which is about Chucky Weiss, who uh, is also was part of that running with that that crew of, of Ricky Lee Jones and Tom Waits mm-hmm. um, back in the 70s. Um, it should also be noted that I think this is now the second or the third film where a weepy song has been used. Mm. Um, so I, I'd like to point that out. Well, and and, and this was... Uh, I don't think there were any really 
pop songs in Lovely and Amazing. They no. must not have had the budget for it or something because I don't recall there being anything other than the score, but this was a, a soundtrack that was much more akin to uh, to the the first one, Walking on Talking. Yeah, mid-aughts, and definitely yeah. more mid-aughts. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Indie rock, folk rock. So it is, it's released by Sony Pictures Classics, so yet another another studio for her. It is uh, cinematography by Terry Stacy, who has not like done a lot of great work, but also I want to say like a, a very markedly better looking film than than <laughs> Lovely and Amazing. You know who I think was a camera operator on this movie is uh, I, I, it's weird. I, it, I was looking through the credits and it, uh, Danny Moyer, oh, who is Julia Roberts's husband. Ah, okay. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, I just upon my was like, I know that name. Oh, is that Julia Roberts' husband? Like, and I don't know why she's been on my mind lately because I just for the concert blog I wrote about Lyle. Oh, Lovett. oh yeah. So, and I've been listening to a lot of Lyle Love it. Still one result. of like the oddest, you know, pairings uh, of celebrities that I, I can recall. Apparently, they're still friends. Yeah, no, I, I think they started as friends and yeah. Maintain that friendship. They both have nothing but nice things to say about each other, which yeah. is refreshing. He's a good dude. He's uh, a fantastic writer. Oh. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I love it. I, I, he had a, a, a run of albums that is, uh, for mm-hmm. anybody who says that they don't like country music, he's definitely one of the people that I would point them towards and be like, listen yeah. to listen to Lyle Lovett's work. Yeah. Anyway, that's... Uh... But yeah, the, the, enough of a love it tangent. Um <laughs> Do you love it? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the editor on this film was Robert Frazen, who has worked with uh, some interesting people. He worked with Charlie Kaufman on Schenectady, New York. Um, he also worked with Hall of Center again on uh, Please Give. He uh, and then also Enough said uh, so they like working together. But he worked with Jason Bateman on The Family Fang which I haven't seen. He worked on, uh, he's worked with John Lee Hancock quite a bit as well. The founder, uh, mm-hmm. the highwayman, um, the rookie, the, it doesn't look like he worked on, on the, the rookie. rookie. That's the John Lee Hancock movie. I think I've seen, uh, he worked on the little things and Mr. Harrigan's phone. This is, Oh, that's in post-production. Okay. Uh, he worked, he's worked with Charlie Kaufman again on, I'm thinking of ending things, which did you ever end up watching that? I, I'm not, ready for that yet okay you do you have to be in a place i i i really like that film quite a bit uh and i was in a state of existential dread when i watched it as i continue to be but for some reason it did not have the negative impact on me that i that some people seem to 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 get from it i'm Um, not i'm not uh i've uh yeah i'm not ready for that yet but i I'll, i'll be ready soon i'm working my way so he's yeah he's had he's worked on some interesting stuff. Box office wise, the weekend of April seventh, two thousand six, is not a great top five. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. This is this this sort of top five would never happen again. Uh, you've got Ice Age: The Meltdown as as number one, uh, and it's uh, you know second week basically. I. I uh... As someone who has to watch those movies as a requirement, uh, I'm, I of think being that, a parent, yeah, of being a parent. This uh, is why you get a day is because you have to watch movies like that. 
I'll tell you one thing though. Um, just a brief aside. Um, so normally every Sunday afternoon, while Tucker, my youngest, is asleep, mm-hmm. me and Becca will watch a older kids movie. Telling that Tucker's not ready for, but maybe Beckett is. Um, so I started watching with Godzilla movies, uh, the old ones. Uh, we won't bring up Roland Emmerich or any of the new ones up. Um, but um, last week, we're sort of kind of like on this run of like mid-80s stuff. Mm-hmm. And last week, we watched Flight of the Navigator. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that one, but I remember that. Yeah, one. and it just um, the wave of nostalgia that hit me just watching that movie and seeing how excited Beckett got, which surprisingly he followed because it's not it's pretty high concept. Well, and that I mean that's what's kind of nice about Disney Plus though is that you can go back and visit some things like that. Yeah. So we watch because like, they don't make they don't make kids movies like that anymore. No, and just the wave of nostalgia that came over me like I'm like. I'm getting for Clem just watching like the like the Paul Rubens alien character mm-hmm. like get like tell dumb jokes and yeah I, I you know I would, I would throw like Flight of the Navigator into into that kind of film mm-hmm. and uh, even like Cloak and Dagger where it's just like it's it's a it's a little bit higher concept kids you know yeah. thriller sci-fi kind of thing we mm-hmm. there's not really that that much of that going on you get your big tentpole animated stuff the uh from your pixar and your whatever the illumination or whatever that uh, company yeah. is that does like the, the minion minions. stuff but um he kind of wants to watch the rocketeer though i don't think he's hmm he's i don't think he's uh i think he changed his mind on that one i i you know what i would say i would say it's uh i'm gonna try the goonies next that but, might be more... I think that might be scary still, you don't think? Um, he can handle it. Well, that's the thing is like... I so, think Rocketeer is going to be a little slow for him. Mm, it's pacing. When I went back and watched it recently, the pacing is not... Yeah, it just took a while for that one to get going. He did ask me about watching Beetlejuice. Mm. Yes, last night. And you get one, you got one. We can we can do one more, but not a third. Right, right. That's why I explained to him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I was explaining to him last night. I was like, you can't say it. Three Call times. him Mr. Juice. No, yeah. no more. Uh, Beal guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I got like my eyes just lit up. I'm like, he's like, can we watch Beal Juice? And I just like my eyes lit up, and I'm like. Oh shit! I said it three times, <laughs> dude. <laughs> shit. Well, it was nice podcasting with you. Yeah, I know. It's uh, showtime. Can't <laughs> <laughs> <Any> more choppers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the deeds of hat for the night. <laughs> oh, uh, um. Anyway, uh, so I have some like a teacher brought brought up one of his summer camp leaders and oh. I'm just like he's like kind of watch it and I'm just like mm, like part I'm like thinking well there's a giant snake scary snake in it has he seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure yet no I think I need to work him way up to that I would say because if he can if he can handle large marge yeah then then he can you can like ease him into Beetlejuice I, that's what I'm thinking like I, I that was immediately found like well I, I should maybe he can watch Pee-wee and if he can handle that, mm-hmm. he can handle a large margin. He can definitely handle Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not worried. And then there's the giant cuss word in the middle of it when he oh yeah grabs his junk and <laughs> says nice fucking model yeah um <laughs> yeah they slipped that one in they got their one yeah they got their one on a pg movie no less mm-hmm. um so i don't know i'm just kind of i'm like i'm the like i i'm ready for him to watch like jurassic park and like all these other movies he's wanted to watch for years mm-hmm. if i just because i think i can just say to him don't repeat anything that you read here because it's like what you're at. You're not. So you don't become like your father and cuss like a sailor. <laughs> do you watch your language around the kids? Oh yeah. Though I've caught my, I, I do have to, I, I'm very, I, um, as soon as I go to bed, I like, I just unleash every, I, I speak yeah. like a sailor. Um, I think cause I just been holding back or when I'm at work and it's just, the, me and the dude bros I'm working with, mm-hmm. like we just, like it's just like we, just, I let, let fly, uh, but uh, yeah, I have to watch my, I watch my language, so, and it's been funny. It's like in the fight of the navigator, they laugh, you slip, and I just like I'm not going to bring attention to this. Like it just then he'll, you know, it's not. If if he knows it's bad, then he's going to say it. <laughs> right. So, but he's been telling a lot of poop jokes lately, which is nice and which is kind of funny. Mm. Um, uh, so, anyway, and they, they never get old. They never get old. It's a little sort of humor, <laughs> but anyway. But go ahead, Ice Age. It's it's literally straight out of the bottom end. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, continuing on down, you've got the bench warmers at number two. <laughs> yep. Yeah, not a great, not a great week in April. Uh, take the lead, which is that the? Oh, it's it's another dance it's a movie. Dance movie. It's like a step up, you know, kin kind of deal. Uh, uh, Inside Man hanging in there. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's a good one. And lucky number Slevin. Oh god, <laughs> that's a. Yeah, it's a high concept. Uh, yeah, again, you know, it's that that top five is a little a little rough, a little rough. Uh, all right, so also hanging out in there, you've got failure to launch. <laughs> uh, v for Vendetta still in the top ten. ATL ATL, which I've I've never seen. Fat girls never seen. Stay alive never seen. Wow. Stay alive. It's a horror movie. It's a horror film. Uh, and you've. Uh, She's the man hanging in there in the <laughs> top 20. Uh, oh, Larry the Cable Guy, Health Inspector. Yep. Yep. The uh, the one. The Larry the, the Larry the Cable Guy movie we never, we never talk about. It's so underrated. You've got Basic Instinct 2, <laughs> which never met. Which, like. Yeah, debuted at number at. Uh, let's see, did it debut at number one that one? It it, it dropped seventy three percent from the previous week. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. You got the Shaggy Dog, the remake of that with Tim Allen and Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. That's a low end for. Yeah. Uh, was that? Was that so it, that was before Iron Man came yeah. in and saved his ass. 
Uh, although, in my opinion, I, I think it's kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Uh, I think that's what got him. I, I still think I, I still think that that film, which if you haven't seen that film, that's that is, I, I think it's a terribly underrated film. It's a great uh, one of the great, great, great Robert Downey Jr. film. Uh, Shane Black, yeah, written and directed. Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer in it. Could talk, right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, and you know, it's so that, that to me starts the, the downy sense. Uh, and you got friends with money debuting at number 18. That sounds about right. So How I mean, theaters, the, the fact that, uh, not many, 28 it debuts in, that's a, yeah. that's a really low number. Uh, so I mean, it obviously opens a little wider and gains some momentum because it doesn't finish half bad. I, I mean, I remember it playing. I, I believe I was living in Illinois at the time. I do remember Illinois would uh, Peoria would get uh, the occasional get an indie flick would come there like when it would expand. Mm-hmm. I mind you, weeks after it's like like it like a month afterwards, like because it, apparently it's just garnered so much buzz, and then by the time it hits Peoria, it's like. Nothing happens unless it's like earmarked for Oscar or something, right? And which Francis Money was not, uh, but uh, occasionally it would play in Peoria, Illinois. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk about where we are in Jennifer Aniston's career. So this is an interesting. This year, she's also in the breakup with. Uh, is that with Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn. That's when they right. were da- and they were dating. Um, and so, be- and before this, it's rumor has it, which I don't think I've ever seen, derailed, which I've never seen. Along came Polly, Bruce Almighty, the good girl. This is kind of towards the end, I would say, of her, her, you know, like post uh, Friends film career, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, she like her best film year is probably 1999 because you've got Office Space and The Iron Giant, <laughs> which again features the best Vin Diesel performance. Yes, yeah, <laughs> he does best when he doesn't talk a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Anyhow, so that's I think that's an interesting. Which, which, by the way, have you heard? About the drama surrounding Fast Ten. It well, I mean, isn't his, is doesn't he have some ongoing feud with The Rock? Yes, he has an ongoing feud with The Rock. But to add, so Justin Lin, the guy who's who took it to the Fast franchise to where it's at now, mm-hmm. quit the movie. It's like, um, again, going back to Get Shorty. Uh, it's, I guess it was like two days and it's already two weeks behind <laughs> the, mm. the shooting of that movie. And a lot of it has to, and no one has specifically said why Lynn quit other, but the rumor is, is because Vin Diesel has thinks he's like God's gift to act to the franchise and has like made these makes demands. He, uh, Act like an asshole. He, you know, thinks he's king shit. Sure. Uh, 
Which yeah, I don't I don't get it. it so they got so they had to get like Louis Lairder, the guy who did like the Now You See Me movies and the Hulk movie with Ed Norton uh, to go to go in, which is kind of cool because he did the Transporter movies and those are actually pretty decent and car chase heavy. Maybe he can bring mm, it down to Earth. Who knows? I I doubt it. I mean, they almost went into space last time, right? I so that's I, the I rumor. Didn't, I didn't see it. Uh. <laughs> So Frances McDormand around this time is interesting too. She's not doing a whole lot. I don't know if this is in like peak trying to concentrate on family kind of mode or what, but um Well find out what Joel's doing, Joel Cohen's doing, and you'll know what she's up to. Well, so like her her two thousands, you know, two thousand she's got Wonder Boys and Almost Famous. Two thousand one she does the man who wasn't there. So yeah. Which I, you know, I actually like that one. I, I, I think that's a, a pretty decent, like, it's, it, it's a fun Cohen noir. It's you know, pretty straightforward. You know, until I, we were, um, the other project I'm working on, mm-hmm. that's the movie we didn't talk about until I talked about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I just realized we have not talked about the man who wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, we even, like, talked about intolerable cruelty and the lady killers like huh which are definitely i think lesser films compared to (laughs) the man who wasn't there right which yeah which i would never but it's only we just never talked about that one Mm -hmm. and i found that odd that we never talked about it until i brought up like until i brought up at the end like we never talked about that movie once like we don't think about it anyway go ahead so then uh then 2000 Two, she does Laurel Canyon and City by the Sea, mm-hmm. both of which I think are films that don't really exist anymore um, or don't <laughs> exist, basically. I don't remember Laurel Canyon at all, and I, I barely remember City by the Sea. It had Robert De Niro. De Niro and, yeah. Um, Franco's in it. Oh, God. I just saw him last night in, uh, in Oz the Great and Powerful. What an awful, awful, awful performance. Just terrible, terrible performance. Ugh. I we can talk about it more on the bonus pod, but my biggest question after watching that film was like, who is this for? Because if it was supposed to be a kids' movie, and ostensibly it was, that you know that turn at the end of uh, of of um, Rachel Vice when she ages, mm-hmm. that's horror. I mean that's I mean that's like the most Raimi shot in the film basically. Yeah. Um and like if I were a kid of the age where that they were wanting to pull in with that, I wouldn't go see it. No. I wouldn't have been interested. Anyway, uh okay, so then we've got Something's Gotta Give. Did I mention that one two thousand three? She's in them? Oh yeah, she's, she's in Something's Gotta Give. Best friend. Um She's in North Country, which I don't remember. That's the Charlie's There in Whistleblower movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do remember that one now. Uh, she's also in Aeon Flux, which is another Charlie's There movie. <laughs> Very different Charlie's There movie. Yes. I So I haven't seen that since the theater, but I remember liking it. I've never it. seen it. I've never seen it. I, 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 I never I liking liked, it. I liked the anime. Mm-hmm. But I never saw the movie. See, I hadn't seen the anime going into that, mm-hmm. and I, I think that the general feedback I've gotten is that if you liked uh, the anime, then you were very disappointed by the film. Yeah. 
So then she does Friends with Money and doesn't do another another film for a couple of years until she does Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day and Burn After Reading, both in 2008. Yeah. And then <laughs> 2011 is This Must Be the Place, which is that Sean Penn film. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. I really love Yeah, I do too. I, I'm a big fan of that movie. Uh, and also uh, uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yeah, she's not, her and Totoro. <laughs> it's like, I, she's I guess barely it's, just, in that movie, it's a paycheck movie. Yeah, yeah. I, but it's just, a, I, I'll do this for the money. Yeah. I guess. It's just a sweet paycheck. <laughs> Probably didn't have to put in many days on it. No, she's like, it's clearly like a week's work. Tops. Yeah, right. Um, then, so, uh, but Hey, you know, in, in her also small, but meager defense, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, uh, has been in, I think maybe one or two Transformers movies and has called Michael Bay the best director he's ever worked with. Oh, so I, Anthony Hopkins, who's never done anything for a paycheck <laughs> in his life, except like everything since i don't know the everything post aughts yeah i mean he's never like all the times he's gone back to the hannibal lecter the hannibal lecter well he's never done that for the money how so i pulled up joan cusack's filmography how have i never heard of this film the last shot um is that the one with matthew broderick it's matthew broderick alec baldwin tony collette calista flockhart ray liotta tim blake nelson James Rebhorn, Tony Shalhoub. Is that, um, that's, no, that Stay in Maine is the one, is the mammoth send up, send up. But is this last shot? Well, who it's directed Jeff that? Nathanson, written and directed. Ben, is it, who produced it? I think you're like, there's a Levinson or a mammoth in there somewhere. Um, uh, Touchstone Pictures, produced by, oh, no, produced by Larry Bresner and David Hoberman. Oh, okay. Um, it's, yeah, I don't, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I have not heard of it, but it's got this like hugely stacked cast. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Never, never heard of it. 62% on Rotten Tomatoes says it's a wildly uneven comedy. Huh? Uh, but no, I was just kind of like curious about, so she, because her odds are kind of interesting as well. So you, you've got, she's a voice in Toy Story 2. She's, she's Jesse, of yeah. course. Um, and then she does High Fidelity with her brother, you know, a little film that we've occasionally talked about. Yeah. You know, that, that might be important. Um, Where the Heart Is, it's a very Muppet Christmas movie, then School of Rock, Looney Tunes Back in Action, Raising Helen, The Last Shot, Ice Princess, Chicken Little, yeah, Friends with Money. Then she has two films, again, with John. Martian Child, which I, I think is a good film. I don't know if you've ever seen that I've one. I've seen that one, but it's on my list. I, I like that one quite a bit. Um, and uh, War, Inc., which I haven't seen, but I've heard is actually not a bad yeah. not a bad film I think that's I think that's a movie where we lose John. That's Yeah, it's one of the last ones, basically. Yeah, where we lose John. Uh who occasionally comes back, but I think he it's where he clearly makes a shift towards 
Nick Cage territory. Oh yeah, like yeah. I mean, you, you have to looking. I mean, c- because Love and Mercy is probably the only one in there within the last what fifteen years. Yeah, that you can point to and say that's not just a paycheck. I mean, and maybe you know, I think he. It, it seemed like he was trying in that. Um, Oh, what was that? Uh, Utopia. Utopia, yeah. Which I haven't watched yet. Um, eh, you, you can you can sit that one out. Um, but I mean, it felt like he was trying in it at least. But then everything else, it's it's like Bruce Willis, uh, Nicholas Cage territory, where it's yeah. just like straight to the VOD stuff mm-hmm. that you've never heard of. And you're never gonna watch. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I mean, like, what is he? Like, is he waiting for Paul Schrader to come calling? Because I mean, and so you, you can throw in there, like, he's done Map to the Stars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, done that. that one he didn't do for a paycheck. Right. I mean, because it's, it's a Cronenberg. Uh, it's, it's just kind of odd. It's, you kind of, I mean, also at some point he started wearing eyeliner. Um, I don't know if you noticed that or not. No, um, but and he's been touring. He, tour, he tours with his movies because. Yeah. Which seems like a complete. And whole like that's something I don't think he would ever do. Yeah, it seems like something he detests. I would, I, yeah, because he'll he'll tour with with say anything. He'll tour with um, Gross Point Blank. Yeah. and High Fidelity. Yeah. So it's it's I don't. It's it's just a very odd arc to a career. He's as far as I know, and I I I mean I'm a huge John Cusack fan, but I have not really followed his life. But as far as I know, like he's not. He's never been married, has no kids. So, it's what is he trying to pay off? <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, other than his donations to the Bernie Sanders campaign, he is he is a hardcore liberal. Uh, yeah. hardcore even more than liberal. I would just say hardcore leftist for for sure. Yeah. Um, which I don't have a problem with, but no. it's. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's, it seems like at some point, unless he's just completely overextended, yeah. that he is, he's had the kind of career that you could kind of, you know, be a little choosier about your parts. And maybe that's it. Maybe he's being choosy. It would be nice. But for, like, and, and when you realize, when you, when you sign to get back to one, like, well, shit, like, all I got is like, uh, the Frozen Ground and mm. a rom-com. What am I going to pick? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just likes to keep working. I, I would. It would be nice for him to get the same kind of opportunity that Nicolas Cage has gotten in the last like five years or so. Yeah, but I would argue that... Well, Nicolas Cage has paid off his debt. Mm-hmm. And... Which is why he's... I think he's... You're going to see... Cage get a little more selective, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, like, are we going to get like another unbearable weight of massive talent? But for Cusack, I mean, and that, that the thing is that now that that's been done, it's yeah. kind of nobody else can can really do that. Yeah, it didn't, and it didn't do it successfully. Well, like see, at the I box office, it, I think. Well, okay, that's I, what I'm saying. Is like at the box office as a film. I think it. I think it was successful. I I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not seen it, but I'm just saying box office wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Nick Cage. Maybe Nick Cage was only huge in the world of 
Yeah, you, could, you could you could go see that today at the AMC 24 at the Arizona Center. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, Not that I don't want to see it. I just don't want to go to that theater. Oh, I don't think... I, I, I haven't seen anything there since we all went to see... Um, uh, I just remember seeing Uncut it. Gems. Yeah, I just remember seeing a broken seat. Gotcha. And my feet sticking to the floor. It's a... Sure, it's, you know... Sure, they clean it every once in a while. That's that's too bad to me that it didn't quite, you know, clear what it ought to to be successful because I I really like that film quite a bit for what it was especially. But we're not here to talk about Nick Cage. No, 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 no. Uh, but so I mean, that's um, I think the only person we didn't go through is Keener. But we've we've kind of talked about her her over before. Yeah. Um, but like around that time. I mean, and she's having an interesting time, too, because she, in 2002, has Adaptation, Full Frontal, Death to Smoochie, and Simone. Mm-hmm. All of those in the same year. And then takes death a break. Takes a, yeah, Death to Smoochie, which, again, where's my criterion of Death to Smoochie? Um, it take, takes a three-year break. And then does Ballad of Jack and Rose, which I don't... Oh, that's... Um... Um, Henry. Uh, oh, it's uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, and that's uh, Rebecca Miller. Yeah. Huh. I should probably check that out. I have not. His wife. Yeah. I have not. Uh, Who is? I don't. It's not Henry Miller. It's uh, Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller's daughter. Arthur Miller's yeah. daughter. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I wonder how I missed that one. Uh. And then the interpreter she's in. <laughs> you do not like that movie. Uh, no, no. Well, no, we were talking about this. When we were talking about Sidney Pollack. Yeah. Uh, and having just, uh, I didn't realize that that was such a massive success. That cleared $162 million. Like, how? <laughs> it's such a turd. Such a massive turn. It's like a swirling, like you like hope nobody notices. You hope just like you'll wait and it will eventually go down, but it just won't go. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, you got forty year old virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is you know I think uh, where definitely a certain you know generation of people or a certain you know, film goer that's where they know her most recently from probably or know her best from, and then Capote all yeah. in two thousand five. Uh, yeah, she's um, uh, she, is she she's Nell Harper Lee. Yeah, and Capote. She's Harper yeah. Lee. Yeah. yeah. Um, so interesting times. I don't know. It's that she's so good in that movie too. That that movie is just Capote is so great. Well, I mean, uh, R.A.P. Um, yeah. uh, Phelps and Rothman. Yeah. Uh, um, it reminds me of that tweet I made like a while ago uh, with the uh, um, with the cow. The chocolate milk cow. (laughs) (laughs) Truman Capoe. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Or true milk. True milk Capoe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, back into, back into friends with money. 
<laughs> we arrived, everyone. <laughs> we, we have. I, I, it's, I think it's interesting because, again, this is a film where there's just not a ton of plot to it. It's just good actors speaking great lines mm-hmm. in a film that just kind of happens. Right. But, I mean, they're all, like, in this situation, like, Catherine Keener's, like, they're remodeling their house, mm-hmm. oblivious to the fact that no one, that they're blocking their neighbor's yard, uh, view of the ocean, just, mm-hmm. and then when she realizes it, like, she she cares too much about what other people think, and um, and then, yeah, Frances McDormand, who's in her, just, reach her 40s, and I imagine this resonated with you in some bit, because I... Not because I know how you feel about turning mm-hmm. forty. Like she doesn't like. I don't have to wash my hair. I don't want <laughs> you know. What's the point? I just there's make, there's a lot of what's the point? Yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, I make over. All I do is make overpriced clothing. Clothing. That how great was that scene where they're in the restaurant and uh, one of them identifies the woman wearing one of her dresses and then she just spills shit on. Yeah. Her. Like, but look what you like, or it's our husband. Like, oh, look at all, look at what you, impact you've had on the culture. And right, she's right. Wearing one of your clothes, which is obviously an anthropology so I, shirt. I I, I, I don't know fashion well enough to be able to say that. I know anthropology. Again, this is why everyone thinks I'm Simon McBurney. Um, so because <laughs> I know enough to know that, like, they're clearly she clearly is doing anthropology dresses. Gotcha. But I mean, the thing of it being that basically like her first thought is, well, she doesn't look good in it. It's not mm-hmm. what I would have picked for her. And, <laughs> and then Simon McBurney is talking about, yeah, but like, look what kind of impact you're having. And like, you know, it's, isn't it nice to see one of your things out in the world? Mm-hmm. And then she immediately spills like the equivalent of ketchup all over it or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so yeah. It's, that was great. And then, um, and you got Jennifer Aniston, who's just like, you know, like just, Looking for the next thing, it's, but and John, and, uh, I'm saying Aaron Joan Cusack. Cusack. Joan Cusack, yeah. Like, uh, she doesn't really have an arc other than a situation she's going through. No, she's it's just, they. It's it's like that couple kind of exists in this film to be the almost like the Styler and Waldorf. Yeah, because they're very much commenting on everybody else's issues. Um, the 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 you know the, the saying that very you know that clearly her that Francis McDormand's husband is gay yeah. uh, that um, Jennifer Aniston's character is is aimless and can't like mm-hmm. you know make anything work that Catherine Keener is in a bad marriage uh, mm-hmm. which which she definitely is she yeah. is most definitely in a in a in a in an emu- emotionally abusive situation mm-hmm. but it's it's just like so. Let's. I mean, I want to. Before we get into the dynamics of it, I did also want to see what you thought about this particular type of film because it's it's to me it's very akin to something like The Big Chill or um, you know other other films of that type that don't that again don't get made very often. But it's 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 looking. It's a very generational timestamp. It's a very age-specific timestamp as well. It's a very t- it's 2006, so I mean everyone, so for the Great Recession, right? Which is funny because this film could play now, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I watched it and I'm like going, well, 
it's still very classist. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're, with the exception of Aniston, who's struggling financially, there's, um, they're all upper middle class. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, it, well, except for, for the Joan Cusack couple who, who are, are just rich, flat out rich. Yeah. Um, but the, the, and I, I found the most interesting dynamic in the film to be the Keener and Isaacs yeah. relationship. Because their situation of this, they they couldn't be more distant from each other doing something that is any more intimate because they're co-writing everything. They're just sitting in an office together, essentially running lines for this script that they're writing. Mm-hmm. And they have to be... It would be interesting to have a film entirely devoted to them to see how you get to this place. Because I can't imagine... It seems like they are coming out of a period where they must have worked well together because they're successful. They look to be relatively successful. They're adding, they're doing like a Mr. Blandings. You know, they're, <laughs> they're building an addition onto their house that is making their neighbors resent them because it's going to block out their sea view. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's this interesting combination of hypersensitivity and also just lack of awareness of how you're perceived because until you have that moment with Keener up in her neighbor's room looking out at being blocked by the construction that's going on that she, it dawns on her, fuck, I am, I am, uh, you know, ruining these people's views. I'm a terrible person. This, you know, we have to stop the construction, which is also ridiculous because they're, they're so far into it. There is no stopping at that point. But like the, it's just it's wild to me the 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 like somehow she, she, in in some ways and I think it's 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 also due to great writing and a great performance is that simultaneously she seems so self-aware and yet completely aloof mm-hmm. unaware of what's going on around her or how she's perceived yeah and it it comes true, like, and it comes clear when they have these conversations. It's the only time she's like connected, probably even when she's having it, when she's hanging out with these people, mm-hmm. her friends with money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I um I, that, I think that was the one I most relate to, and I think felt more the most real to me. And I think that's because two is maybe that's the one that's based on. Most on Hoff Center's her own life, her own life. Yeah. But it is like, as you said, it is like this, uh, you know, group of friends. I mean, no one's died, mm-hmm. like in Big Chill, nothing. They're just people who get together and so they can feel better about their own lives mm-hmm. when they drive home. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> every every time they have dinner in this movie, it focuses on they're the trashing the Yeah, they're trashing the other like, people, their their own friends. Yeah, and he's clearly gay. <laughs> yeah. And she has nothing to do with her life. The, yeah, the, the, how many, there are so many just great lines in there too, though, yeah. and just, you know, wonderfully delivered of Francis McDormand and, and Simon McBurney talking about... Um, <laughs> And did you see her hair? Yeah. She hasn't washed it in ages. Well, and, but the the yeah oh, oh that. But then um, the two of them talking about Keener and and Isaac's and having. Do you know like she's never seen his asshole? Yeah. 
Well, unless you were talking about their sex life and like talking about how they've they're you know, I it's it's just it's interesting that cattiness of of the drive home, which felt so honest and so Mm -hmm. so very much how things are. Like it doesn't matter how much you love these people, you are always going to be like. You know, especially if your life is not perfect and you're having some of your own yeah. issues, there's there's no way that you don't just get in the car with your significant other mm-hmm. and say, well, at least we're not them. Yeah. And the dynamic between Cusack and Aston's character, mm-hmm. um, I, I think is um, interesting because, like, Cusack always wants to help her out, but it never is what in the way that she wants. Mm-hmm. So, like... Oh, I'll hook you up with this dude, and the dude is Scott um, Con. Scott Con, and 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 I think a low key great performance. Yes, <laughs> and just how cringy it is when after they go when they like he does nothing or mm-hmm. like barely helps like yeah. help her clean the house, oh, and then asking for, for a cut of the money. money. And that she's the kind of person that's not just going to tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah. Like she has that in her mind, obviously. But she doesn't say it, Mm -hmm. and she eventually gives him a cut of the money every time. And just the the whole – that I mean, that whole thing with how much of a dick he is, their first date. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Well, even the Christmas gift. That is – Yeah, the maid's outfit. Yeah. That as much as – as much as he thinks that's for her, mm-hmm. that's clearly for him. I don't even think he thinks it's for her. I think he knows it's for him. Yeah. It's it's clearly a case of Fred buying Wilma a bowling ball for her or, birthday. Yeah, or Homer to Marge. Yes. Yeah. And because what it's for his own gratification. Yes. Like because I can, you know, because obviously Jennifer Aniston likes to go out in a French maid's uniform. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's obvious it's a gift for himself, so he can just lay back on the bed and watch her clean in it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sick, but he he does that dirtbag douchebag role so very well in this. I think one of the reviews I read on Letterboxd last night, he's a um, what's a uh, home? There's a, a himbo. Name, a himbo. Yeah. yeah, he's a himbo. Yes. Yeah, um, and, and he is. It, it's but like her. The, the fact that she doesn't that she's in this sort of position where she's she's got such a lack of confidence in herself that she's just conti- even though she knows this is a terrible situation mm-hmm. even though she knows she's being treated poorly that she makes almost no effort until until that last moment where she can where she like tails him mm-hmm. to find that he's obviously still seeing the woman that 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 he spent the time with in the diner when they first went out yeah um, th- uh, th- she does nothing mm-hmm. in- in- t- until that point. Yeah, and it's. I think it's the realization. Like it's after she goes to John and Joan Cusack for money, right? To, for to, to become a to personal become a licensed personal trainer, which is and hilarious. she says no. Yeah, uh, but I'll spend it like for therapy. I think it's after. I'll, I'll, Probably don't mind for you for therapy, but I'm not helping you with your career. It's such a terrible situation to be in where you, A, where you feel like you have to go to ask one of your friends for money to begin with, and then to have them essentially treat you like a child. Yeah. uh, Or like a ward, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the, first of all, you should not 
get into a situation where you lend friends money with any strings attached to it. It should always be, at least this is the way I've always thought of it, you should not lend anything that you expect back, for one. For another, um, I mean, once they have it, it will do nothing but ruin your friendship to oversee how they spend it. Yep. And I think it's that realization for her, like the, where the dynamic changes, mm-hmm. where um, it's less of a mom daughter type thing or a friend type thing and she realizes oh shit I got like I have to do something mm-hmm. like I think that's when I think that's the that's the point for her when she realizes oh shit I got mm-hmm. this is going nowhere and between that and Scott Kahn being a himbo right um, where uh, uh, she realizes I gotta do something different and and plus probably getting caught stealing the face cream. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, but that's one of those touches that I love where she's she's going into each counter like in, in the different department stores for the free face cream. <laughs> and you've got that, that one guy behind the counter who's just like, I know this fucking scam. I am not giving you a second sample. And then Catherine Keener just happens to show up. She's like, see, it's for my friend. <laughs> give her, give, give her, her a sample. sample. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and and then she realizes that the guy that the per- probably who's probably right for her is someone that Joan Cusack would never have recommended for her. Oh, absolutely not. Well, and the fact that she takes that, and I'm trying to find out who like who the actual actor is. I don't remember what his character's name was. If it was Wyatt or if it was Marty. I think it's, Marty sounds like it. Yeah. Um. I gotta get a picture of this cast because then I'll be able to tell. Um, but like, to have like an adult relationship for the first time, mm-hmm. like that's. Uh, I and I only know like what the guy's deal is. Like, if he really has. Well, I think he's filthy fucking rich. You think he's filthy fucking? Oh rich? yeah. No, I mean the, the and the way he's just so casual about it too. He's like, well, I don't, I don't work because I don't have to. I mean, and you can tell. Like, this is obviously this seems like a guy who's who feels like he's been kind of. He's a very. He seems like a very sad individual. It seems like he's a he is kind of like lost in his life, in some ways. And you know, like he's. They do mention kind of casually that he's a. A divorcee, uh, yeah. you know, father who's who's sad about not being with his daughter full time. Right, right. Excuse me, you've got all of that, um, and you know, it just seems like like they're on this wavelength. And and I wasn't kidding. Like my letterbox review that that I it may not be. It's 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 not like this is the start of a beautiful friendship kind of level line. Yeah. But the fact that the last line of that film is I got problems. Yeah. <laughs> I just. I love it. And I was hoping in that moment that I was like, fade to black, fade to black. And they faded to black. And yep. like, yes. yes. It, like that's, we don't need any more. No. This is perfect. It's, it's, it's perfect for so many reasons. One of which is that realization. It's like you can feel in that moment. Like, first of all, she's finally gotten a win. Like, mm-hmm. she made the choice that she might not have otherwise made because she, I think she feels like genuinely that she, it's just, it was time she was with a nice guy. Yeah, and she gets that, which is fantastic for her, and also like the the people around her just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, why did she go out with this guy? Kind of thing. Um, no, I think they. Well, it's. It, I think the one person 
the the one person they apologize for is Joan Cusack's husband, played by Greg German, mm-hmm. uh, who's all like, "What do you do for work?" Like as if that's right. something that defines you, right? Yeah, like, yeah. My work defines me. Uh, um, he's like he's that guy. Like uh, my work defines me. It's how I show my status in the world. That's why I want my kid to wear ninety dollars shoes because I want everyone to know that for two weeks, right? Uh, that he's uh, that I got them ninety dollars shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Stevenson is the actor. He okay. he plays Marty. And he's, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's in, he is in a ton of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys you're like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought he was really excellent in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's actually in Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> As what? Uh, I, I, he is, let's see. Uh, he's also a producer and screenwriter. So he's done some other. Well, I want to know why he produces and screenwrites because. Southlander. He did a okay. film called Southlander, which I haven't seen. Um, uh, but he produced Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys and Thumbsucker. Oh, I've seen Thumbsucker. Mm-hmm. Thumbsucker is good. Um, so I don't know. He's not. It's not like it's listed on. If you Google him, it's listed in his filmography. But if you go to Wikipedia, it's not in his filmography. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what he played in that. I don't remember seeing him in there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's, he was very good at, at being this, this kind of like low key mm-hmm. broken looking guy. Um, I mean, and just that, that whole conversation at the end about like, well, if, if, if you have money, why, why were you haggling on the price? Yeah. <laughs> and just like this, this conversation, but it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's in that moment where you feel like. It's it's kind of the. Um, he wants to feel normal. Well, but I mean, in, in that moment though, you feel like it's going to be okay for Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, like, like she's because I, I I would say that in that unspoken dynamic, especially between her and Joan Cusack, is that there's the feeling that she is just kind of not taking responsibility for her own life Mm -hmm. and just letting things happen to her. And so she, you know, begins with deciding she's going to tail Scott Kahn and she actually takes action there and sees he's just this total dirt bag, you know, seeing him for what he is. Mm -hmm. And then she goes out with, you know, perhaps not the most attractive fit guy, but it also then turns out he's, you know, He's also the guy with money. Um, yeah. And like the, th- that whole, I don't know. She had one of my favorite arcs in the film. Um, you know, the, the fact that she's still, you know, f- for whatever reason, holding on to and stalking this, you know, the, the, the guy she had an affair with. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's really interesting. It, it's, to me, I think I would have liked to see that go on to some. I think that was the only thing that was kind of like, yeah, as dangling. Yeah, but it seems like it's a natural evolution of maybe where Lovely and Amazing feels almost between between this and between you know sitting between this and walking and talking. It, it almost seems like a little bit of a hiccup because it feels like Friends with Money 
is a natural progression to me of walking and talking. Mm-hmm. And I think what you'll when you get to um, when we get to enough said, mm-hmm. you'll kind of maybe see too like how this dynamic. Like when I when they hook up at the end, I'm kind of thinking that's Julia Louis Dreyfus, that's Gandalfini. Oh yeah, like and he's dealing with his insecurities. She's got her own. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like that's the evolution of like where that's going. But I I am absolutely loving watching the evolution of this filmmaker of this screenwriter because yes. it's it's what I really. It's what I really enjoyed about watching Baumbach from the beginning, because mm-hmm. kicking and screaming to then Mr. Jealousy to uh, to Squid and the Whale, I mean, watching the the progression and growth of that, you know, becoming the, this very self-assured screenwriter, for mm-hmm. sure, you know, it's it's very akin to that and just as interesting and exciting to me to watch this this happen. Yeah, because I don't know what Baumbach would have, if he had made... I don't know what Anderson if Anderson hadn't intervened, and, right? And brought, and brought him on for for uh, for. Well, he also brought him in for Bottle Rocket, right? Isn't no, isn't Bombeck involved in Bottle Rocket? Or I'm not is sure it, he's involved in Bottle Rocket, but mm-hmm. if he had inter- I, if Anderson didn't put Squid in the Whale, mm-hmm. if didn't produce it, I don't know if anyone would have cared. I, I would have cared because it's such a great fucking movie it, it is a great fucking movie um but i don't know if i would have paid attention as much as i did i'm glad that i did mm-hmm. um, oh okay he he co-wrote uh the life aquatic yeah that's what it was mm-hmm. it wasn't as early as i thought it was um but yeah obviously they they developed and he i think he had a role in fantastic mr fox uh co-written as well yeah because yeah. i think that's how <laughs> I think that movie is how he got the writing credit for got brought on for Madagascar three. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yes. And wow. he's co-writing the he, Barbie movie with yeah Greta. with Greta Gerwig. That looks wild, by the way. I, I I'm ready. Are you? <laughs> I am ready. I I had no idea. I I mean, so of course I saw a couple of reposts of of the of the shot of of. Um, What's his name? Gosling as as Ken. Uh, as, as Ken. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay. And then I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why is he doing this kind of film all of a sudden? And then it's like, it's Greta Gerwig. I'm like, oh. oh. Yeah. And um, the guy who plays uh, Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. I forget the actor, uh, Lee Misu, um, wanted to get in this movie. He said it was the best script he ever read. This Barbie movie. And That's they insane. And they didn't cast him. Well, she has such an interesting film arc, too. When you look at um, at the starting with the films that she did with, with Joe Swanberg. Yeah. And then getting and then working with Baumbach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you look at essentially, I even though she didn't direct it and it was Baumbach directing it, Francis Ha is really like the like the beginning of like of the the great Gerwig boom, right? Yeah. So you've got Francis Ha and then doing Lady Bird, mm-hmm. a remake of Little Women, <laughs> and now Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> She's officially like reached. <laughs> We're in peak Gerwig. It's yeah. it, it's pretty astounding that 
that arc. That's a, that's a wild arc. That's a very, I, I don't know. And I, I haven't watched that, um, that Little Women remake. I haven't. But yeah, I've heard either. by all accounts that it's excellent. I kind of want to watch it more now, now that I know, remember that Owen Kirk is in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I just ah, I I'm the just, movies. I love the movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we wrap this up? Probably. <laughs> I, you know, there's 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 just not there's not a, oh, I do think Jason Isaacs gives a fantastic performance. Yes, I, I think it's a bravura performance. First of all, you can't tell that he's British. I, yeah. you know, it's it, it, there's there's that 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 aside. The the kind of very specific asshole that he is, it's he. There's no apology to his performance. There's no wink at the camera to his performance. Mm-hmm. There's no trying to for some sort of empathy for that character. He's just like, nope. I'm the fucker that says you're getting fat. I'm the yeah. guy that doesn't acknowledge that you've just you know burned yourself or cut your finger or whatever. Yeah, you know. I, it's it's that kind of very specific assholeness. That's that's not something that obviously they came out of the box with. That's something that he's evolved into over time, mm-hmm. and it felt so spot on that reading of it to me that it was. Um, I mean, that's it. As much as as much as I love Keener. Having that to react to, to work off of, is what makes them the most compelling mm-hmm. couple in the in the film. I love absolutely love the scene where they're in front of the construction crew and they're like, "Stop! Stop! Yeah, stop making. We're this has been a big mistake. And like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, when. When your uh, when your day job is um, for Isaacs, when your day job is leading the um, Wizard Revolution uh, <laughs> with the Malfoys, I mean, yes, some of that's gonna sink in. You or know. you know, I mean, or being from the Mirror Universe in in Star Trek Discovery, that's you know. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know because you haven't you haven't watched that one. It's don't. <laughs> Okay. Don't. Yeah, okay. just 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 avoid just it. Just don't. Just it's it's not worth it. You keep hoping for so much more, and it's just disappoints at like every turn. Despite the fact that it's got so much going for it, it yeah. just it's because of that that it breaks your heart. Great, great. Um, there. Is, so just a couple of other things, real quick. Uh, you know, like, like I mentioned, I, I I feel like this is falls right into the wheelhouse of what I love right now with 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 breeders and mm-hmm. catastrophe and and things of that that ilk um this a, a little bit of trivia the their kid the keener isaac's kid mm-hmm. is um is uh the same guy who plays max on parenthood and okay. i don't know if you've ever seen that but he's he's a great young actor uh and i thought he was very good in this and i think he he's fantastic in parenthood as well um and oh we didn't really talk about like the the scene, the ride home from the second dinner, where they're all like, "And you were the prettiest one there." Yes. <laughs> and you were the prettiest one there. Yeah. Like that's, um, yeah, that's such a. Oh, and we didn't we did not give Frances McDormand her props for that 
that old navy scene. Oh, where she <laughs> when she goes full full uh um Michael Douglas basically. No, it's it's it, to me it's it's like Michael Douglas in McDonald's and falling down. Yeah, it's it's Karen before it was Karen. Before yeah. They name it. Yeah. And um, the fact that she's doing it to a like a black couple. Yes. Yeah. Well, and of of course you can't ignore that, but it just happens to be arbitrary. She would have been that pissed off at anybody that cut in front of her like yeah. that. It's it, it, like I can't ignore but, the fact that it's who it is. No, like, you can't yeah. ignore that. Well, and it's what allows her to be, and I think it's what allows for that treatment of her by the store manager yeah. to try to take her out of that situation because it's it. <laughs> but then her just like walking. F- Full on into the door and breaking her nose. What the hell is she doing in an old navy store? You design clothes. She's buying jeans for her kid. I just, she can just sew, find some denim and sew it together. Come on. But there are just there are moments like that I love, and there are really low key moments that I love too, where uh-huh. they're where um, post that scene where they're all. Um, where Francis McDormand is making the clothes for them to mm-hmm. go to the dinner. I love that. That scene, scene is fantastic. Where they're kind of like all together and they're yeah. looking at each other and like, oh, this is yeah, this is how it should be. Like it's like we're not other than Joan Cusack bringing up money. None of their none yeah. of their spouses are there. Yeah, and that's I mean that's is that the only scene where they're all together that their husbands are not there? I think mm, I want to say yes because otherwise they're paired off in some instances where yeah. again even when they're paired off they're just trash talking their other friends mm-hmm. and but yeah I believe that that's the only scene in which they are all together in the same room mm-hmm. uh, potentially well no because even in the hospital. Um, you get Simon McBurney showing up. Yeah, McBurney shows up. And that's when you get to see what a real sweetheart he is. Right, yeah. Um, that's because um, if you think about it, of all the characters in that movie, he's like the real, he's a real sweetheart. Well, and so what's interesting too with, I mean, and who's to say whether or not he is gay? I mean, he certainly has if anything, less masculine tendencies. It's also, it's, he has the, well, I don't know, the... The, the Cusack relationship, that guy whose name I never remember, Brent but German. yeah, who who is usually solid in whatever he's in. Mm-hmm. I, he usually gives a, a good performance, whether you like him or not. Well, he just plays off the Ally McBeal character, right? Yeah, that's where I, yes, that's where I'm remembering him from. It's he. Uh, I mean, he seems to th- th- their relationship seems to be pretty solid yeah uh but it also seems like it's solid because but they have their issues too like she won't confront him about the smoking mm-hmm. um they i mean they have that speech about or that discussion about the um whether you know their their child whether or not he turns out gay oh god just, he's, he says i just don't want him to have to go through any you know any pain and then joe cusack says well everybody goes through pain he's like yeah but i mean you know extra pain extra gay pain yeah <laughs> It's it's cringeworthy in that moment, absolutely cringeworthy. But it's also like, but it's also kind of sincere. Very, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it it doesn't sound judgmental. It's just like I they they just like the concern of of having to 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 face other people mm-hmm. in that. I, I I don't. It doesn't seem to me like they would be judgmental of the lifestyle, but they're concerned. What if they have to go through the judgment of others? Yeah, you know. So that that's interesting in that way, but no, I I mean it's I, it's obvious that 
regardless of what the state of their relationship is in from a sexuality standpoint, um, that the the McDormand McBurney relationship is the is the nicest. Yeah, I mean they seem very supportive, even though like touching her hair obviously like g- grosses him out a little yeah. bit um, until she washes <laughs> it. Yeah, uh, it's it's just it's it's wild. Um, but yeah, and I, I I liked him quite a bit in that. It's, yeah, which is weird because he's always such a creep and like whatever British mm, thriller. He's yeah, in. no, that's true. Yeah, this is a very different role for him. Yeah, which was nice. He's always like that guy, like that creepy British guy. Mm-hmm. That I it was like, I know him from like, and I looked him up. I'm like, oh yeah, he's the creep in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh yeah, he's the creep in this. He's the creep in that. Mm-hmm. So he's been a creep for a long time. But I think he got started working with Rowan Atkinson of all people. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, so. Yeah. Other than that, I don't. I don't really have anything else to say about the movie. It's. Yeah. It's other than it has been my favorite so far. And every time mm. I think about it, I'm like, oh, what about that scene? And oh, wasn't that scene great? Yeah. And again, there's nothing like hugely flashy about it. It's just. Yeah. Really good. This. This is the first one I've seen where I didn't immediately go. This is sitcom. Mm. Like it's. This is a sitcom or something. This is something that had to like. I don't know it necessarily has to be a movie theater, but just something that I just enjoyed mm. for what it is. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just this very intimate movie that is funny, that is legit funny and very sweet. Yes. And I don't... And, and incredibly engaging, too. Yeah. There's, there's no part where I, w- I wasn't just drawn into it and invested in these characters. I, at no point other than to, like, look up what other movies Simon McBurney had been in mm. that I go reaching for my phone out of boredom. Right. Like I, or am I like, I can't wait for this to be done because it's a very brisk 90 minutes. Oh yeah. No, it just sails on through. Yeah. It's fantastic. Which I, is like another reason why it would never have survived as a TV show. Right. Because it's, I, yeah, because clearly, like, there's not a whole lot to tell here. Right. But what it has to say is really, really great. Yes, I concur. No. But, yeah, that's... Um, that's Friends with Money. Friends with Money. Uh, so, next is Please Give. It's Please Give. Let's do our recommendations, and then and then we'll wrap up with where, where we can find Please Watch, or Please Give, rather. Okay. Um, is it me? Yeah, you can go first. Go okay. for it. Do it up. So um, I'm gonna. Um, so as uh, as you know, we we try to frequently book guests for this show, and um, like I tried to get uh, Mike Myers on here, and he was very busy. Uh, that was an unsuccessful. Yeah, and uh, you know Bradley Cooper. I tried to get him. Uh, I'm like trying to figure out like why why can't I get more plaid peeps on this show. Mm-hmm. And I realized all the plaid peeps I've been trying to get mm-hmm. have been on this podcast called Smartless. <laughs> which, are, you, are you saying that the triumvirate of, of Bateman, uh, 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 Arnett, and uh, Hayes. Hayes have stolen our, our, our guests? They're, yeah, they're stealing our guests away. They, mm. they're, they're scared of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I'm obviously two years late to this party. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that I brought up Smartless as a recommendation yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. So I'm going to, once again, well, I'm going to briefly bring up that 
in the last two weeks, I've been slowly listening to Smartless and have been enjoying it. Um, it does, of course, have its flaws. I mean, yeah, as everything does. As everything does. I know nothing's perfect, but um, I do enjoy uh, the dynamic between uh, Bateman and Hayes and uh, Arnett uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, the other thing I'm going to recommend, um, especially the Bradley Cooper episode. Oh, the Bradley I, Cooper episode was great. Which I just yes. finished. Like, where like I think everyone except for Hayes, because he doesn't have kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, at least has a good cry. Uh, yeah. Um, I did also enjoy um, Bateman geeking out at the Lord uh, Christopher Lord Phil Miller episode. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. When oh, they, that was great. Yes. When they. Uh, start talking about Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah. And he just keeks out on them and like, doesn't really ask a question. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I asked like, like, and it's not a movie. I think they, they didn't direct it. They, I don't know if they directed it, but they definitely produced it. And they seemed very heavily in the producing process, mm-hmm. but just to hear like Bateman geek out, like I geek out. Yeah. Over their movies. Cause I love their movies. Their animated movies, their jump street movies. Their, yeah. Um, so that was really cool. You know that my my birthday bro Jason Bateman mm-hmm. and and me have the same taste uh, and geek out over shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other um, thing I'm going to recommend, which I kind of mentioned, is um, with a, a bare minimum. By the way, like I think people will either like it or hate this, but I liked I watched Spire Head last night mm-hmm. on Netflix. Which is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who apparently directed a small film called Top Gun Maverick. I've heard it's done well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it did okay. It, it, I guess it did okay. Um, but it also has Miles Teller from that little movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and some guy, Hemsworth guy? I don't know. I saw him in a movie once where he was like a Viking on the hammer. <laughs> um... <laughs> But um, it's the satire from the guys who it's based on a um, George Saunders short story. Yeah, which I just learned from you today, which is a really, really excellent short story. Yeah. Um, And um, so it's based on a George Saunders short story and it's written by the guys who did the Deadpool movies. Mm hmm. Um, Which they're from Arizona. So props. but I um, I liked it mainly because the reason why I liked it is because Hemsworth clearly gives a very unhinged, wacky ass performance in it, mm-hmm. um, which it's sort of in the vein of uh, Ragnarok, but like, but minus the self absorption mm. a little bit. I really enjoy how crazy he gets. Um, I, and again, like if Miles Teller could pull his ass every once in a while, cause I guess occasionally he does some stupid shit. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not aware of this, but, um, I don't like nothing like, I don't think anything on the level of Ansel Elgort or anything like that, but mm. something where like, um, he says something stupid or does something stupid. And apparently doesn't believe in COVID uh, or anything like that. Cause I think he gave everyone COVID on the set of the offer. Oh, uh, his, uh, wow. Anyway, but 
the you know, I'm trying point I'm trying to make is that uh, if Miles Teller could you know be normal, I think he could be a big star at this point because I've liked him in Top Gun, mm-hmm. I liked him in Whiplash, I liked him in this movie, mm-hmm. um, but it's just um. I think the complaint here with the movie that I've read is that it's too restrained from the Saunders story, mm. which I've not read the Saunders story. I didn't get, I haven't gone that far in 10th of December, mm-hmm. but I like that. How it, what it has to say about emotion. And then there's this, there's this clever, like subplot going on underneath it all that involves, um, fecal matter that uh, um, is just when when it comes to uh, when, it, when, it, when it finally gets to the end of the thing uh, mm-hmm. I, I laughed out loud for about five minutes huh. uh, it's funny I don't remember that part of the story it's probably not there it's probably so, it's clearly something that the screenwriters behind Deadpool added ah. <laughs> it has to be oh, yes um but that's my recommendation, like, because of the things I've watched in the last two weeks, that's probably what I've enjoyed the most, other than maybe Miss Marvel. Okay. Um, which I'm not going to be, I'm not going to add my, I, I obviously I am by mentioning it, A, myself to the chorus of white dudes who like that movie, like that show, mm-hmm. but I'm going to add myself to the court. Uh, I don't know if Spiderhead's going to get that type of love, so I. So you'll add your name to that. So I'm going to add my name to that anyway, and hopefully y'all like it. So, all right. Well, I got I got a few things. Um, I'll kind of run down. Um, first, a couple of albums. The new album by S.G. Goodman, which is called Teeth Marks. Um, this is another album where I'll I'll point to point people in the direction of if they say country music is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. because this is very much Americana for sure. Um, I don't like it quite as much as her first album, which was, I think called that old time feeling. Um, it doesn't have quite as many high points for me, but there's, it's, it is just, it's wonderful songwriting. She's got a, an incredible voice. Um, and I, I enjoyed it, uh, quite a bit. And so again, that's Teeth Marks by S.G. Goodman. The other album I'm going to recommend is uh, is the new Grantley Phillips, which is All That You Can Dream. Um, it's not again. It's like not. It's not an amazing album. I would say it's a solid like three and a half out of five. <laughs> it's it's just again. It's it's just very assured songwriting. I think I was listening to it yesterday, and thinking to myself, you know what? This is actually like a great Sunday morning record. Um, very for the most part, very like low key, very very kind of um, shuffling along a shuffle that's propelled by the great drummer, Jay Bellarose, um, who has probably uh, with whether or not, you know, it uh, drummed or been the drummer on, on a lot of your uh, favorite records of the last 15, 20 years. Uh, And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's also very clearly a pandemic record. Uh, a lot of it sounds like he's working through his feelings about what his daughter was having to go through on like Zoom classes and things like that, you know, l- learning um, 
distance learning. And so it's an interesting perspective because everybody's got their, their COVID album coming out, but it's, it's a little bit of a different take on it, it seems like. Yeah. Um, it and seems I, like an album I could relate to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I would check that out. It, it's it's um, all, the, all That You Can Dream, Grant Lee Phillips. I don't, he's, he's just one of those guys that I don't think gets necessarily all the recognition that he deserves or all the props that he deserves because he kind of has been just steadily churning out good solo work since Grant Lee Buffalo mm-hmm. in the 90s. Uh, and so anyway, I think it's worth checking out. The other, the last thing I'll, I'll talk about, um, Brian and Charles. <laughs> it's a new film, British film, little film. I went and saw it yesterday. It's just a very, very charming film. And I was thinking about this. It's like, it's like what we do in the shadows, but Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> oh, you've now, here I was thinking this was like, the Jim Broadbent robot movie. Mm-hmm. But now that you've brought Wallace and Grom into it, now you've made this like must see. I, I, you know, I was, and you know, I would, we talked during pregame, how I was going to go see crimes of the future. Uh-huh. I think you may have fucking swayed me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be curious to see if you, if you agree with me that it's very much like if, if Wallace and Gromit was, was live action. Wallace and Gromit is live action, sir. I, you know, I, it's very slow. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's stop motion. <laughs> but okay. it's live, sir. All right, with 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 people and not clay. Let's uh, say it's plasticine, sir. Okay. I, I I know. I'm I'm trying to be funny. Ardman, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, humor aside, I see your point. Yeah. Um. So it's I yeah I I I think. I don't know. I, I think you'll dig it, um, and, and I would be curious to to see if you if you get why I'm comparing it to to Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. But I mean, it's it, mockumentaries are, are are very you know ingrained in the culture, and we get a fair amount of them. But mm-hmm. I I you know, and so it can be a tiresome medium. Um, but this this I I like I said I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I think because of the the very kind of sweet take on it. Um, that it was it it's it stands out a little bit and it's it's worth seeing. Okay, uh, I, I think it's a, a great um, panacea for for all of the Mavericks and Thors and, uh, and Jurassic World. Yeah, so. sure. Yeah, because again, like I I was already like I'm gonna see what time this sick ass Canadian director movie starts mm-hmm. and hopefully not throw up in my popcorn. <laughs> Because uh, this one now I'm thinking I'm like no I think I'm going to go see the Wallace and Gromit robot movie. I, this this one isn't going to make you feel all anxious and gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I it's maybe we can talk about this a little bit on the bonus pod too. Mm-hmm. But it's weird how um, I'm becoming more sensitized to violence and gross stuff when I used to love it. And now yeah, I'm just you know, like, I, I think I am too. I, I I think that's why I'm gravitating more and more towards some of these, you know, more mm-hmm. people-oriented, relationship-oriented yeah. character explorations. 
So I, I think we'll talk about maybe that's a good way to kick off the bonus pod since we're gonna which we're which spoiler alert it's gonna be a pop culture roundup not a not a songbook episode but yeah. uh, for those of you that uh, that support us on Patreon you can look for that um, I think I'm getting into the habit of of instead of dropping the bonus and the main episode on the same day yeah. that I'm dropping main episode one Sunday and then the bonus episode the next Sunday got it. Um, because, I mean, I, I suppose it's possible to have too much of a good thing, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. Uh, I would just like some of a good thing. That would be nice. Um, and hey, um, I'm really, and again, like I, um, as I said on Twitter last week or the week before, uh, when we were like, um, tell your friends, because I'm really enjoying like this Hoff Center thing that we're doing. Uh it just because I, this is the frankly the first movie that we've gone into where we both are like in absolute agreement. Like this is like her best work so far. We really enjoyed this movie. Well, and I, I think and it's, we, we yeah. didn't need we didn't need to be swayed. But one of the things I've enjoyed about the first two episodes on this is that how we've as we take these little moments from each movie mm-hmm. and but and it turns into this like really sweet movie. Whereas this whole movie. It's full of very sweet moments. Well, I, and tender I, moments. I think that is with the first one. I think I was on board with right away. The second one, I needed to discuss it. But in both cases, we discussed ourselves into thinking, you know what, this is a really great film. And this time, like out of the gate, it was just like, no, this is a great. Film. Yeah, this is very. I mean, it's the third time's a charm. Sure. Type thing. Yeah. So. It's been a great uh, a great ride so far. And we're going to yeah. keep it up with Please Give, which I looked up as does not appear to be on any streaming service for free. So uh, it looks like the lowest cost for renting it is $2.99. You can uh, get it on Amazon Prime uh, or it's a standard $3.99 to it's rent. It's on Campy. Um, nope. Does not appear to be on, on any... Um, any of the regu- uh, any of the uh, potentially free streaming platforms, okay, so, or one that you might have a subscription to. Yeah, both uh, Vudu and Amazon are saying it's two ninety nine to rent. Uh, Apple TV and and up through the the rest of them are all saying three ninety nine to rent. So all right. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Plat peeps. Yeah, keep it mental. Mental Platypus is a production of Hoot and Waddle, producing fun arts and culture podcasts and publishing works of experimental literature since 2016. To learn more about Hoot and Waddle, please visit hootandwaddle.com. To learn how you can help support and sustain Hoot and Waddle, please visit patreon.com forward slash hootandwaddle. <laughs>